Do the Nets have the best offense in NBA history? We look back at a statement win over the Clippers, dive into how good the big three has been, and spend a little time on the struggles on defense. We'll chat with one of the key veterans on this Brooklyn team. It's Uncle Jeff. Jeff Green joins the show. All that and more is next on Episode 7 of Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is Barclays Center. Full Court on Flatbush. Flatbush Avenue. It's the podcast. The New York Post. BK. Most stars in the sky. The three. Welcome to Full Court on Flatbush. I'm your host, Robin Lundberg, alongside my co-host, former Nets great Kerry Kittles. Subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts, would you? Follow us on Twitter at Kerry underscore Kittles 30 and at Robin Lundberg. New episodes of the show come out Wednesday afternoons. Nets forward Jeff Green is going to join us later here on episode seven of the show. We're excited to talk to Uncle Jeff. But uh, first, Kerry, it seems like the idea, the concept, the notion of only one basketball is not a problem. Not at all. It's um, it's uh, it's very cool to watch these three guys gel together. Now we've we're getting a little bit more of a sample size, right? Watching them on the court together, and I mean, it's like they've been playing together forever, right? The ball just moves. Guys just take their opportunities whenever it presents themselves. There's no harm, no foul. They're averaging eighty something points to combine, so I think they're all happy and uh, and they're winning games. So uh, yeah, one, one ball it seems to be enough for this next team thus far. Well, let's look at the big three individually and like sort of the, the fit that's happened, right? First is Kevin Durant, which I find interesting because he's kind of fallen back a little bit, but he's still so efficient. He doesn't really need the basketball in his hands. You know, he can have a quiet thirty points on you. You know, what do you make of, of how he's played within this this uh, scheme? Yeah, I mean, he he seems to be like the ultimate teammate, right? Just, you know, he's not hogging the ball. He, obviously, he can take 25, 30 shots whenever he wants, but he doesn't do that. He sort of gets it within the frame of the offense at, with the flow of the game. He passes the ball whenever whenever the uh, time comes. And like you said before, he's very efficient. He gets his shot off whenever he wants over folks. And um, he's shooting the ball like 50, 40, 90. That's like where everyone will aspire to be if you're an NBA player. I mean, wow, he is having a, an MVP type of season thus far. Yeah, when, when I looked up the, the next shooting splits earlier, I was hit with a bucket of water. That's, you know, <laughs> what you got. They're just wet from all over the court. Uh, you know, which in, in James Harden, you know, when he, he came over, I, I think in a sense he sacrificed a little bit, but really what I think he's doing is amplifying the other parts of his game. I thought he did a really good job defensively against Kawhi Leonard. He's been the distributor for the, this team, leads the league in, in assists. Is he just showing people, you know, hey, I'm, I'm not this score people labeled me as. Actually, I'm a, a more complete basketball player than that and the, and the best playmaker on the team. Yeah, and, and that's what folks don't realize is that 
depending on which team you're on, you'll get a different type of player, right? So if you're a great player and you're playing on a crappy team, you're probably going to take more shots. We're looking at Bradley Beal do this right now with the Washington Wizards. He's leading the league in scoring 35 a game, but they're losing. Harden was before in, in Houston. They didn't have a great roster. He had the ball in his hands all the time. He dominated it and he looked to score. He was probably, I think he's taking seven more shots back in the in the Rockets days compared to what he's doing now and he's showing you that he is a complete basketball player on on offense he he has great court vision he understands what the defenses are trying to do to him and yet and still he is still scoring the ball he's 24 games so uh 11 assists you know he, he gets in there and gets some scrappy rebounds um you know, as you said before he's got to still improve his defense right that's been a than on the knock on him, but Hart is a complete basketball player. If if anyone ever doubted that, they're crazy. We're seeing it right now. Yeah, they've actually been better on the on the defensive end when he's been on the floor by by the numbers. And then there are like little things like inbounding the ball in that game against the Clippers. We saw they had some problems inbounding the ball <laughs> against the Wizards. Harden fixed that. He threw that full uh, court pass uh, to our, our guest later in the show, Jeff Green. And, and then there's Kyrie Irving, who I carry. I mean, I I don't know if I've ever seen. Someone more skilled than, than Kyrie Irving with, with handle, shot, uh, layup package at, at the rim. I, I, like, it, it, it's ridiculous. It really is. I mean, I remember going back and looking at his 2011 highlights and, and just watching him score on guys at will. And I'm like, wow, I, mean, I want to see him do it in Brooklyn. Does he still have that ability? And it's like, yes, he does. <laughs> and, and what people don't realize is he's only 6'3", but he's scoring against 6'6 six, six guys, 6'7 six, guys with length. You know, we saw him put, uh, what's his name, uh, the kid from uh, OKC, Kid Kill Gilders, Alexander, whatever his name is. He put him in the mix, and he's scoring over him. He's shooting threes off the dribble in, in, uh, in transition. I mean, the, the kid is unbelievable. He's got mid-range floaters. You name it. Uh, he's so fun to watch. He's so explosive. Change of gears. I mean, the Nets are very fortunate to get it, to have Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he'll put you in the mix for personal reasons. Now, like, the best offense of all time. What do you think about that notion? Because – you know, we were talking before the show about just how much the the game has evolved. There's more possessions now. The shot charts have, have changed. But these guys, three isolation creators, three guys who can shoot it, three guys who could put it on the floor. You know, do you do you think this is the most dangerous offensive team that, that's ever been put on a basketball floor? I mean, I don't know. That's tough to say because every era is different, right? I mean, uh, you go back to the 80s when it was a very physical game. I mean, it's, it was a different era. In today's game, you know, everyone's going to five out. Five out is five guys behind the three-point line. So you have so much more space. But, yeah, these three guys, they are so capable of scoring on you one-on-one. -on -one. I mean, there hasn't been a team that has three one-on-one -on -one dominating the game, efficient basketball players that we're seeing right now. And if they can continue to do this throughout the season and in the postseason, this is very, very rare. I, I haven't seen it. Like, you know, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, they scored off the ball. I mean, they were spotting up, they were moving, they were cutting. These guys scoring at you one-on-one -on -one ISO, break you down, and and you can't you can't scout that. You can't you can't double team that. I mean, it's just really hard. Yeah, and you you can't defend it. And and defense is obviously a big talking point with this team. But you you look up and down the, the next schedule. They've beaten every good team they faced, right? They, you know, they they just beat the Clippers. Uh, they beat the Bucks when Harden just got there. Kyrie wasn't there for that game. They beat the Sixers earlier in the season. They they beat the Jazz. They, they beat the Nuggets. You know, they, they've lost to the the Wizards. They've lost to you know the Cavs. Teams the like yeah, the teams <laughs> like that. But 
how far away are they defensively? Like, I mean, is that just a, an overblown talking point? Because I, I look at them and I see this this uh, closing five, which was the starting five last night. I think that lineup can play w- with anybody when Green and Harris are flanked by the big three. And I, I really think it's like a rotation player or two. It, you know, two rotation guys that, that can help out. And it's not this, like, grave need that, that it's been made out to be. You know, you're, you're talking about ancillary pieces. You're, you're right. I, I think the ancillary pieces, it's going to you know, these last couple of roster spots feels that uh, Sean Marks is going to have to um, come up with some some magic there to uh, to help those needs, right? We know that Harden and, and Kyrie Irving throughout their careers just haven't necessarily been the best defensive stoppers, right? So they have to find other guys to, to come in and fill those roles and still fit into what they've been doing offensively and not hurt them offensively, right? You mentioned the Iman Shumpert move. We'll, we'll have to see how he fits in with these guys. But yet those defensive woes have to be shored up at some point. Right, you can't rely on these guys to just score, 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 and yet you're just trading baskets on the other end of the court. So KD has always been a good defender. He hasn't been great, but he's been pretty solid. The effort has to improve. That's one thing that we know watching this team striking down loose balls, the 50-50 balls, just like the second chance points, you know, that really hurts their defensive stats. You're not getting in there, mixing it up, grabbing those rebounds. You're making it harder on yourself. And so the Nets have to improve on that, uh, Kyrie in particular. And um, if they can do that, obviously their offense will take care of itself. Yeah, Kyrie, you know, uh, he said he couldn't guard a stick the other night. And then the Clippers were picking on him early in that game. They were trying to get him switched onto Kawhi Leonard. All You know, and Kawhi, is, what a player that guy is too, you know. So strong, just gets wherever he wants on the floor. But then Kyrie responded, you know, and really gave some effort, I, I thought, defensively in that game. And we've seen him, you know, do it in the NBA Finals, go head up and, and play championship level defense so where is that level like what's the bar they have to get to because you know if you're the best offense ever you don't have to be also the best defense ever you you just have to be like above average right yeah yeah you're right you're right just above average you can't be all at the bottom of the league in all of these defensive categories though <laughs> right it's like points it's like second chance points it's like <laughs> uh transition points i mean they are really bad guarding the three-point line they're fouling a lot of shooters that's not good. So there's some areas to improve. But yes, you know, I, I think picking on Kyrie, you, you, you've seen that, uh, you know, the Cleveland Cavaliers picked on him quite a bit. And, you know, Kyrie has to improve. I mean, it's there's no doubt about it. He has to, you know, stop fouling guys, contain guys. You know, they, they asked uh, Kevin Durant this question after the game, and he's like, yes, one-on-one defense is something that we have to improve on, keeping guys in front of us. That's been a... Uh, a struggle for the Nets. And so, I don't know. They got to figure it out. Otherwise, they will not reach their ultimate goal of making the finals and winning the championship. So you're you're saying um, th- that has to come? You think that comes from roster additions or you think that comes in- internally? Uh, you know, because you're, you're not seeing it at, at a high enough level right now. Both. I, I, I think we, we, they have to make some moves and bring in a couple guys that can help them but they also have to up their level of play with the guys that are there, in particular Kyrie and, and, and Harden, because, you know, those guys, we've seen their effort just not be there consistently, and there's just room for improvement there. Yeah, I mean, I would say particularly you, – you really think, you know, Harden's defensive effort hasn't been there? I, I think since he's got here, it's been there. It's better than Houston, but it's it's not getting it done, right? So I, I think if we're being honest, there's a lot of switching going on in the, in the NBA right now, right? And there's a lot – you know, there, there's, there's a – 
players on the Nets team that have been doing better, like Joe Harris, he's been doing much better defensively. And there's other guys that need to improve, and, and Harden is one of them too. How much difference is that when, from when you played, like the, the switching style defense and, and you know just the way offenses is attacking? This is a totally different game. I mean, it was fun when I played because if I'm going up against Reggie or Kobe or, or Allen Houston or whatever, it was going to be the same thing on both ends of the court. They wouldn't have to guard me too. So uh, nowadays, you just, you just watch the driving kick, you watch a, a ball screen, and then it's iso ball. And so you get exposed if you can't guard guys now. It's, it's, it's so much open space. And if you can't move your feet and contain guys, they're going to blow by you and get layups or dunks or kick out threes, and it makes defense that much harder. Which is why I think, you know, uh, we're going to talk to Jeff Green a little bit. He's been a, such a key player for this team, right? I mean, uh, they they went away from their one traditional big man in the starting lineup last night. Part of that's probably the matchup with the Clippers, but I think part of it's just how well they've played with Green on the floor. Uh, the closing lineup um, has been Green, Harris, and, and the big three, but different variations of that have been successful. And I, I think it's because you, you can play five out and, and you know, Defense is not just about size and rebounding. Some of it is about how quick you could switch, how you stay in front of guys and the like. And I think he's been giving them their best chance. Oh, Jeff, Jeff Green has been phenomenal for the Nets this year. We can, we're definitely going to discuss this when he comes on the show. His ability to contain guards, you know, even the bigger guards like Paul George and, and Kawhi Leonard. He's, he has the size. He's, you know, he's been in the league for a while. He knows how to gap certain guys. And he's physical. He gets in there and he's scrappy. He'll get rebounds. And then on the other end of the court, just like what they did against the Clippers, you didn't see Serge Ibaka in the game because he couldn't guard those guys on the wing because he doesn't have DeAndre Jordan on the court. So now he forces other teams to make roster changes, I'm sorry, during the game with, with substitution patterns, and, and it causes problems for other teams, trust me. Kerry, does this make you feel old? Jeff Green has been in the league 14 years. You were three years removed from the league when he got there. Does that make you feel any older? Ah, why do you have to say that? I mean, uh, <laughs> don't bring that up. Yes, it's uh, watching him throughout his career. I mean, I watched him, obviously, when he was at Georgetown, losing to my Villanova Wildcats mm -hmm. and, um, you know, bouncing around the league. He's had a great career. Uh, his longevity is great. He's, he's a phenomenal player. You know, he's just a multifaceted player. And, um, wow, the Nets are definitely lucky to have him. Hey, you know, like, if it makes you feel old, here, here's some solace. I remember when LeBron, Wade, and, and Car uh, Carmelo came into the league, and I was like, this is it. This is the group of guys that's going to get it done. And, like, Katie came after them, right? <laughs> like, Wade is gone. Carmelo's on the latter end of his career. Somehow LeBron's still LeBron. <laughs> But, but you know it's it's wild how, how quick it could change and how quick the game could change right too like because we're not even just talking about from when you played Gary to now we we're talking about a few years ago to, to now and, and you know you you've seen um the, the game evolve to the point where Jeff Green is a center where you you can play the the big three on the on the floor together the way that the the Nets have because of the, the dribble handoff game how, how quick the, the possessions are you know and, and I think you saw the seven seconds or less Suns, and then the Golden State Warriors, and maybe even the, the analytics that the Rockets used influence that. But it, it, it's wild. Like, it's almost, in some ways, a different sport. It, it really is. It's I, I look at it as like a pickup game, right? It's just so fast, so many more possessions than when I played, even when, you know, LeBron was in was in uh, Miami Heat days. I mean, it's, the court is just so open now. We, we're, we're seeing all this dribble handoff, driving kick, 
shooting threes. This is what everyone does. Dribble handoff, driving kick threes. And if you can't do that, you just can't play in today's game. Jeff Green has been fortunate enough to be able to have those skill sets and um, his longevity is is, is one reason why. And guys, what's interesting about this team, and Robin, you talked about it earlier, is they're bad against bad teams. So the Nets' toughest uh, competition might be in the first round of the playoffs when they face a team like Charlotte or Cleveland. After that, it seems like smooth sailing because like you said, they're beating all the good teams. But it seems like they just get bored when they play bad teams. And, you know, good teams in the regular season, some nights they're just bored. You see it in all sports where they play down to the competition if the competition isn't good. So that might be the toughest when the Nets uh, take on the eight seed or whatever it is in that expanded playoff this year. Yeah, I don't think that'll matter in the playoffs. I think it's a function of the, the regular season in the sense it's human nature, right? You're, you're on TNT against the Clippers. You know that's going to be a measuring stick game. Some of these other games are, are not, and that's where the, the defensive problems get overblown because you're giving up whatever it is to the Washington damn Wizards. <laughs> and at the same time, Kerry, those other teams, they're licking their chops because, you know, they see who's on the, the other side of the schedule. Of course. I mean, there's there's capable teams and capable <laughs> scorers throughout the NBA. And you show up to the game one night and one of the big three is sitting out. That's telling you that, you know what, they, they could beat you without two, one of their best players. So that amps the ante there with you know, guys are competitive and, um, you know, you got to show up there and compete every night. Um, the Nets have been doing a good job of that thus far. And I don't think they'll have any problems with some of these worst teams as, as the season progresses and definitely early on in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, the, the ultimate goal is to be the best team. Um, clearly, they're a, a marquee team at this very moment. And we're going to talk to a marquee player on that team coming up. The, the Nets upcoming schedule, they've got the Raptors on Friday at the Sixers on Saturday and Tuesday they're at the Pistons. But before we speak to Jeff Green, Kerry's going to compare the current Nets big three to a big three from his day. Well, we have Kerry's Chronicles where Kerry looks back on his playing days, but now it's time for Kittle's Corner because, you know, Kerry, you're a, a basketball junkie and your basketball analysis is top notch. And we've talked about how the big three ha has played thus far and, and how you always thought it was going to work. But, you know, what's the, the difference between guarding a team like the Nets and their big three versus some of the, the teams that you went against and, and some of the two-headed monsters you faced? Yeah, this is great to, to talk about this uh, this Nets uh, big three. This is very, very rare for, for NBA teams to have three dominant scores. We're talking about uh, three guys that are all in the top 15 and scoring in the NBA. They're putting up combined 83 points a game. And so, to reflect on my times playing for the Nets, the only thing I can think about that compares would definitely be the Spurs with uh, Duncan Parker and Ginobili. And just like trying to slow those three guys down was always a task that was very, very difficult for, for our team. And we were, we were a very good defensive team. But to try to slow those guys down was, was definitely challenging. They just pose so much pressure on the other team with uh, attacking you at all times. They're, they, you know, ball screens, they're, they're, they're picking your defense apart. They're exposing your weaknesses and um, that they're challenging your roster because oftentimes they're drawing fouls on, on your key players and, and getting guys in trouble. So it's always an art to try to figure that out. Uh, it's, it's a chess match on defense. When I look at the big three now and what they're doing, they're closing games out just one-on-one -on -one isolation basketball, which is extremely hard to stop because they have so much more space on the court. You can't double these guys because they're finding shooters obviously, you know, Harden with his ability to pass the ball. So Kyrie and KD, they are super elite, 29, 28 points and 30 points a game. It's almost unstoppable. 
I can't wait to see how it pans out late in the season. And um, man, what a pleasure to watch. Now, the, with the Spurs, though, people don't typically think of them in, in those terms, but you did just mention them as a big three. What was most challenging about facing D- Duncan Parker and Ginobili? Well, you knew when you were trying to slow down Duncan, right, the best power forward of all times, it was going to be very challenging because he's facing you up off the box and you had to double team him. And, um, you know, they always had capable shooters on their team. And so, you know, well coaching Popovich, obviously, and, and putting those guys in great positions to score. But, you know, they just had everything. They had speed. They had size. They had athletic ability. Ginobili was crafty, you know, getting in seams and scoring in traffic. Um, I mean, they were really unstoppable, and that's why they won five championships. Which of those three players scared you the, the most uh, down the stretch of a game? By far, Duncan. By far, Duncan, because of his ability to make shots off, off the box, facing guys up. Um, and we had one of the best defenders in, in Kenny, Kenny Martin guarding him. We put <laughs> we put uh, the Kimmy Mutombo on him at, at, at times. Uh, but Duncan was was an incredible scorer. He was an incredible passer. You know, he he drew fouls. He made free throws. I mean, he was just an unstoppable talent. And you, you think he would cause defenses the same problems today? Absolutely. I mean, Duncan actually could make threes. You know, I played with him in the summer one time with the USA team. And, and I mean, that guy can really shoot and stretch the court. So he wouldn't have had a problem adjusting his game into spreading behind the arc, playing what we see now, the majority of NBA teams playing five out. And so Duncan could definitely play in this five out offense. And he, and he, you know, you had to double team Duncan because he scored one-on-one. You couldn't stop him. You know, it's funny because when he first came in, you had the twin towers and then they evolved over time and, and people call him the best power forward of all time. Cause I think that's an easy way to dismiss the conversation. Cause in many ways he, he's a big man and, and a center and, and would be playing that of course, today. Speaking of centers, you don't typically think of Jeff Green as one, but he's been a good one for the Brooklyn Nets, and he's our guest next. Really excited about our next guest on the show. He's well-traveled throughout the NBA, but he sure feels at home in Brooklyn. It is Jeff Green, and and Jeff, first of all, I just want to congratulate you on the season you're having thus far, because uh, you've been, you know, key for a, a lot of what I think this, this team I- is doing right now. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm just going out there, you know, trying to be a heady bet who's, uh, you know, been through a lot in this league and, you know, take what I know and try to use it to my game and to help this team win. You know, you, you mentioned being a vet and, and I've watched your career over the years and I, I've been really impressed with the, the, the later stages of your career. I, I thought you were, were really big for the, the Cavs. When they went to the finals in 2018, I thought you played really well for for Houston just last season. Yet you're you're on a veteran minimum deal, and a lot of people, including myself, have pointed out how much of a steal that is. You know, are you a little miffed that 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 that's your your deal, considering the production you're bringing? Uh, I try not. I'm being honest with you. Like, I, I try not to like dwell into it. Like, I mean, with all I've gone through, you know, personally, and you know, with health wise, you know, I'm just thankful to be playing. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a little, uh, you know, confusing of why it is a minimum, you know, with the production I've given the last couple of years, uh, you know, proving, you know, that I can still play at a high level. But it is what it is. You know, I, whether I have to continue to prove myself to show people I do, you know, deserve what I think I deserve, you know, I wanted to do that, you know, uh, you know, because I, I love working, 
working on my game, love love the game of basketball. So, you know, someday it will pay off. So I just try to, you know, keep my, you know, my focus, you know, in the season and uh, let all, everything else worry about itself after the season. I just got to do what I have to do on the court. How you doing, Jeff? This is Kerry Kittles. You know, you're, you're, you're being asked to do a lot. Obviously, you're guarding one through five. Now, sometimes we, we see you at the center position, which is kind of cool, you know, out there. But yeah. uh, <laughs> just talk to us about your role uh, guarding different positions. Obviously, they're, they're re, you know, relying on you to open the court with your shooting ability. You're shooting the ball great this year. And also, too, more just about being a vocal leader on the team, being you know, 14-year vet and and having these guys look up to you? Uh, You know, as far as, you know, my role, you know, I think I'm in a position where I have Coach Nash trust where he can just put me anywhere on the floor. And, you know, I see that being, you know, me being versatile, being able to, if I need to, you know, run, bring the ball up to, you know, get us in the play to, you know, get guys to their spot. You know, if we need to bring it up, I need to bring it up to, you know, throw it in the post to Kevin or, you know, dribble handoff to Kai or James or Joe. You know, being the center, um, being one through five, switching, you know, guarding, you know, everybody on the floor. Um, the Swiss Army knife that's, that's used as a term around this league is being somebody who can do it all. And I think, you know, that's my role, being able to build every position, everything on the stat sheet. You know, that's what I do. You know, using my voice, you know, as a plus to, you know, help guys, you know, in positions on defenses in or offense or, you know, letting guys, you know, you should be here. You should be here in this position, you know, um, and just, you know, with the 14 years of experience, um, just trying to use what I've been taught, you know, from the best that I had, you know, and, and Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, uh, Kurt Thomas, uh, you name it, I had I had some heady vets who who taught me a lot throughout this league that I'm I'm using the information that they gave me. So it's it's just my duty to pass it along to continue the thing going. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering if you could do that and just like pull us behind the curtain a little bit, right? So you're 14 year vet. You just mentioned playing with some great players, Paul Pierce, Garnett. Um, you know, you, you were in Washington with with uh, Wall and Beal. Uh, obviously in in Houston with Harden and and Westbrook. Like take us behind the curtains now with the Nets, the big three. Uh, give us some insights on what it's like those three guys. How do they carry themselves? Is it loose, jovial? You guys are all getting along? Is it more serious? Uh, it, like, put us behind the curtains a little bit and let us know what's going on. Oh, no, man. Everybody gets along. Everybody has this misconception that they try to, you know, start their own stories about how they think, you know, James, Kai, and uh, Kevin are going to get along based on the basketball perspective. But at the end of the day, all those guys want to win. They're wanting, I mean, everybody had, were skeptical about when James got here, about how he would, you know, fit in with those guys. But if you look at the numbers, look at how he's played, he's been playing unbelievable. They always talk about the word sacrifice. I think each one of those players have sacrificed for, for those three and for us. They have, you know, done a great job. You know, my my eyes and, you know, getting myself, getting Joe, getting TLC, everybody who's been on the court with them, getting everybody involved, getting DJ involved. Everybody on the team has sacrificed, you know, for the greater good of the team. And I think that's going to lead us down the road to, you know, put us in a good position to uh, just uh, go for a championship. So, you know, it's been great. You know, the team camaraderie is great. You know, we communicate very, very well. There's no egos. Nobody is trying to one up uh, one another. And we're all, you know, trying to get on the same page in this short amount of time with no practices. So, you know, it's been great. I think uh, we're heading in the right direction. I mean, you hear some of the names that were rattled off. I don't know if anybody's played with more great players than you when you talk about Kevin nah, Garnett. Yeah, for sure. I think <laughs> I think I, I played with, you know, a number of, you know, MVPs, you know, uh, all-stars, 
Hall of Famers than anybody ever in their career. It's been a, a true blessing to me to learn from each and every one of them uh, and to get to know every one of them. So I'm, I'm truly thankful. Well, I mean, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, uh, obviously James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and, and Kevin Durant now. Is there anything you see from those three guys, despite you know all the guys you've played with and, and all of your experience, is there anything from any one of those guys that you still just watch and go, wow, did that just happen? Yeah, I, I, I played with... Uh, I played with uh, James last year and, uh, you know, watching him, his offensive uh, weaponry that he had uh, to see it up close and personal. The first time I was with him, you know, uh, was he was the sixth man in the year. Uh, we was back in OKC. So to see how he has grown, this was truly amazing. Uh, Kevin, I've been watching Kevin from afar. We come from the same area, so I'm always supporting him. I've always been supporting him, uh, you know, and, you know, supporting him each and every, you know, level that he's taken his game to. Uh, throughout his career. But this season, man, like watching Kyrie, it's, it's been amazing. He's a magician with that basketball. And, you know, I've, every day I can say that, you know, I've been on the court with him. I was like, damn, like this this guy can do everything. And uh, it's amazing to watch, uh, you know, to, to watch guys truly try to stop him. And it's been, he's unguardable. He's unguardable. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm just glad he's on my team and I don't have to switch out on him anymore. <laughs> it's hard to say there's ever been a more skilled player than Kyrie. But speaking of switching out, you, yeah. you, you mentioned you, you mentioned uh, a championship uh, a minute ago, and, and you were a part of the starting lineup in that win against the Clippers. You've been a part of the closing lineup. That that lineup with, with you, Harris, and the, the big three is number one in the league in offensive rating, number nine in the league in defensive rating right now. You know, you're, you're trying to get that that championship. Can you taste it right now? I mean, do you feel like I, I know, you know, there's more time to get together. There may be a roster addition here or there, but you're an integral part of, of you know, the, the closing five. Does it feel like a championship team to you right now? Of course, that's the, that's the dream and that's what we're shooting for. But, you know, in our eyes, we just want to get better uh, each game. We know it's a long season. We know we're going to go through some ups and downs. But our job is to continue to grow together and continue to get better. Of course, we, we know we can battle for a championship. But if we continue to grow together and continue to get better, we know when that time comes around and we're prepared and uh, we understand what we're capable of, it's going to be much harder for the opposing team. So for us, we're just trying to better ourselves day in and day out. Awesome. You mentioned all of these wonderful players you play with, uh, great talents. But give us a little bit of uh, your thoughts on, on Steve Nash. Right, You played for a lot of great coaches as well over the years. Um, and you've seen a lot, but just I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on Steve Nash, uh, first-time head coach. Obviously, he was a Hall of Fame uh, player in, in his day, but now being on the bench, making some calls, and letting you guys just play through some of these runs, right, without calling timeouts. We've been sitting there watching that as fans now, uh, kind of interested to see uh, what, what your thoughts were and, and, and hear what you feel about Steve Nash. No, I love it. The tra- I think the transition has been – you know, seamless for him. Uh, I think the adjustment of being on this side, of uh, not being a player, but now a coach, I think that transition, you know, he had to get used to a little bit because he likes to be in the battlefield. But now uh, being a coach, uh, you know, it's been great. You know, his poise, his calmness, uh, the way he's putting us in positions to succeed, you know, letting us be ourselves and be, be the creators that we are. Uh, he allow us to, you know, m- make mistakes. Uh, the positivity that he's been giving us has been great. And, uh, you know, his X and O game has, has been great. So uh, he has a great, you know, supporting cast behind him on that bench. And, you know, I, I've enjoyed 
every minute of having him as my coach this year. He's been, you know, helping me along the way, allowing me to see what he see on the floor. Because, you know, I played against him when he was in Phoenix, you know, and through the later years in his career. And, you know, I know how much of a great player and great mind he is for the game. So I'm, I'm enjoying, you know, having him as a coach to understand, you know, what he sees to help better my game. What are the thoughts on, on the defense so far in the locker room? Because I'm sure you guys hear a lot about that on the outside, and, and I'm sure you're hearing about it from the coaches as well. Man, I think people just, you know, the game right now, we're not the only team that's giving up a lot of points. I think people are just making a big deal with the, with the personnel that we have. You know, I think they, they see the offensive power. So the only thing they can really talk about is defense for us. And yes, we've given up, you know, a couple of times 140 points, but I mean, there have been other games where I'm a fan of the game, so I've seen other teams give up the same amount of points. I think now we just have a you know bigger bullseye on our team. Uh, but I think we have a great team. We're well established, you know, down the line as far as the defensive effort, and uh, you know we're going to get better. I, I know that for a fact. But uh, you know, with the personnel we have and what we're trying to do, it's going to take some time to get used to as far as our rotations and how we want to execute, especially against certain teams. So I know it's going to take time, but. I think just because of our personnel and the, the bullseye that we have right now in the microscope, uh, they got they need something to talk about. But, uh, you know, I'm all for it. And, and that's only going to force us to get better. So, you know, I appreciate everybody, you know, continuing that talk because it's only going to help in the long run. Jeff, it's Jake here. And I know you posted to your Instagram story at Uncle uh, Jeff Green that you miss movie theater popcorn. God, I would do anything to over, <laughs> overpay for a large soda yeah. and, a, and a large popcorn right now. A little Airhead Extreme Bites, a little recliner seat action. Uh, get me to yeah. an AMC theater immediately. Uh, but, I mean, you talked about the title. Are you hungry for that, too? Because you were on the edge of it with Cleveland, obviously losing to Steph Curry. I mean, that's got to be the last, you know, check off your bucket list of your career. All you've been through, um, the heart issue, now you're, you're back. I mean, that's got to be that thing that you want that ring bad right now. Uh, I really want that's, – that's all I want. Like, uh, that's what you play for. Uh, that's what I play for uh, is to, you know, do something that's bigger than, than one individual to do some as a team, do some for a city, a, a state. So it's, it's it's something that I'm really looking forward to, and I think we have it all with this team to get to that point. You know, I, like you said, I was there with Cleveland. I was I, there in Cleveland. I was I could taste it. I was like, four wins, that's it. But, you know, Golden State got the best of us. You know, Katie and, you know, Steph and Clay and all those guys, uh, they got the best of us. And, you know, we put up a fight, but, you know, the firepower they had was just, you know, unmatched with, you know, what we had. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to what's to come for this team and, you know, trying to do everything possible in my power to, uh, you know, help in the way I can to get this team back to that point because I know we all want to be there and we all want to get a ring. But you guys got that firepower right now that you just referenced. But speaking of movies, who's the um, best uncle on the team? Is it Uncle Jeff or Uncle Drew? Oh, there's only one uncle on this team, and that's Uncle Jeff. Uncle Drew is a, <laughs> is a character on the movie screen. Uncle Jeff is real life. <laughs> What's the best advice Uncle Jeff gives to, you know, Uncle Drew and some of his, or Kyrie Irving and some of the other teammates? Uh, the best advice I always give him, man, I love, I'm going to be honest, I don't, I don't really say much to him. You know, when it's game time, what I, when we, uh, when we're dapping up, you know, they're about to go play and we, we, they, they're going out, you know, for the jump ball. I just tell them to dominate and be themselves. You know, that's that's all I can ask for. You know, when they're themselves and they're dominating in what they do, uh, it's going to be hard to beat us. And I, I tell Joe that. I tell Kevin James. I tell Kyrie that. I tell TLC that. I tell DJ that. You know, everybody in the team, I tell them to be themselves. You know, give it all to the team. And, you know, when we all do that, that's, you know, that's, that's tough to 
play against. So I'm, that's all I say to everybody. Jeff, I spoke with Taylor Rooks yesterday, and she said she's at a minimum of 75 COVID tests. How many COVID tests have you had, and are you sick of you know them sticking that thing up your nose? Are you ready to be done with COVID tests? Man, look here. I am done and over COVID. Um, we get tested twice a day, rapid tests. So, I mean, given the day, is, is three times. Well, it's three times. So it's two in the morning. One for the 30 quick results, 30 minute quick results, and the other to the lab. And then we get tested after the game or, or late evening uh, doing an off day. And I'm going to tell you now, I'm over this Q tip <laughs> being stuck in the nose and in the mouth. I'm done with COVID. I just want everything to get better. I want everybody to be healthy so we can get back to how things were. You know, being around each other, conversating without masks, uh, being able to hear each other clear. I want to see somebody else smile. That's what I want to do. I want to see the happiness in people's face. I'm just, you know, but, uh, you know, what I really want is just, you know, health around this world, man. You know, I, I pray each and every day that, you know, it gets better. And uh, people continue to get healthy, um, and they don't have to deal with COVID. Winning a championship is one thing. Two COVID tests a day. I mean, you go through that. It's like you just watch a scene out of the Notebook. I mean, you got tears coming out of your eyes. It's insane. <laughs> That's the real scary yeah, yeah. hours of your day, right? Yeah, yeah. A couple seconds, but you know, if it's gonna, you know, lead me to the championship, I'm, I'm all for it. You know, but I am over it. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, seeing people smile. Uh, Jeff, I think you're making a lot of Brooklyn Nets fans smile at the moment with your play and, and uh, you know, how you fit into this team. So uh, good luck on uh, the rest of the season, and we appreciate you joining us here on Full Court on Flatbush. I appreciate you. Nice talking to you guys. Thanks for having me. Have a good day. The next stop is Barclays Center. Flatbush Avenue. That wraps up Episode 7, the Kenny Anderson edition of Full Court on Flatbush, a Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Sarah McCrory for producing the show. Subscribe to Full Court on Flatbush on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, wouldn't you? Write a nice review, too. We appreciate your support all season long. For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We're back next Wednesday. Enjoy the next week of Nets games, and thanks for listening, folks. Stay warm and stay safe.